Rhodes Scholarship is one of the most prestigious scholarships in the world and if like me you also share this dream of somehow making it to the Oxford University through Rhodes Scholarship but are confused as to how to go about with the application process and if you can learn it from one of the best in the game then I believe you're at the right spot stay tuned because that is what we learned today Hello everyone, welcome to the One Take Show. My name is Kaushik Shivastav, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are in conversation with a very special guest. Our guest today is Mr. Vanshaj Ravi Jain. Vanshaj is a DPhil candidate with Oxford University. He is also a Rhodes Scholar and Indira Gandhi Scholar. And in this episode, we will talk about his experience with law school, his experience with Rhodes application, his tips and tricks, strategies, everything. I've looked up to Vanshaj for many reasons. One of the reasons have been that he is a great debater and I really love debating. But all of that for later. If you like this episode, which I believe you will, make sure you like, share and subscribe. Follow the podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate the podcast so that I can reach out to more and more people with these amazing conversations. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. The link for the same is down in the description. If you have any suggestions feedbacks make sure you reach out to me i would absolutely love that hence ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's jump right into the discussion with vanshaj ravi jain right here on the one take show hello vanshaj welcome to the one take show i am so happy that you could take time out for today's recording i'm really really glad I I believe a lot of law students across NLUs and across all law schools in fact have idolized uh, you and your achievements your work uh, your experience with roads and not just that your uh, your experiences in law school about all things that you have established thank you so much for taking time out for today and I believe we'll be adding a lot of value to our podcast so thank you so much Vanshish well, thank you for having me no problem Thank you. Uh, today we have this very interesting conversation lined up. Uh, first of all, before we get into your journey, the uh, the beautiful journey that you had with roads, your preparation, your strategies, and everything else, I would love to know about your experiences with law school. Like, how was your journey with law? What inspired you to take law in the very first place? How was your journey in NLS? Is there any experience in NLS that stood out for you? So, I would love to know about entire journey of yours. Okay, I mean that's it's difficult to summarize five years of experiences um, in one brief answer, but I'll. I mean, I can start with how I decided to do law, and the, the honest answer is I didn't really decide. It was more like um, something that was decided for me. Uh, my parents um, wanted me to do law for for a long time since I was a young kid, and they sent me to like elocution classes and stuff, and debate training and stuff like that. Um, and I honestly didn't think I would. I mean, I wasn't sure what I would do. Um, I thought I would go do like an eco course in DU or something. Um, I wrote CLAT. I think, I mean, everyone has expectations when they write CLAT, right? Everyone wants to do well, but realistically, the numbers were stacked against me. I remember seeing when you walk into the CLAT exam center and you see the number of students, the sheer masses you're against. You're like, yeah, statistically, I'm probably not going to make it. So, I I wanted to do law. Um, I didn't have very high hopes, and I wished for the best, and then I wrote the exam. I 
for I mean I got into analysis but I still couldn't believe it I think when I even when I saw it um the results I couldn't believe it um even when I right up to the day that I was actually there the first day I was like they're going to find a reason to throw me out I'm not going to actually do this um but it started and you know to be honest I had I really didn't know if I was going to be good at law um when I started I had absolutely no idea what the skills were that were required in the field um but i think pretty early on um i think in my first term we had our exams and i did fairly well and i started getting an inclination that okay this is something that i am equipped to handle because i think ultimately all law is it's really is just um logical reasoning and reading comprehension if you have those two skills um then your background and your foundation is really strong um and i was fortunate enough that my parents my school um people around me had invested in me for many many years from before to give me those skills um which is why i think going to nls was slightly easy i won't say easy um it was still probably the hardest thing i've ever done in my life but it was slightly easier than other experiences there so in law school like or everyone involves themselves in like particular activities for example some people moot some people debate some people do both some people get into like sports uh literature writing and everything was there something that you really enjoyed or uh, what was your experience with all these uh, activities did they contribute in your uh, journey in a way or something um so i did i did do mooting and debating i didn't do that much of sports um i mean i ran long distance with my friends and stuff but there was never really an opportunity to compete per se um at least in inter college events for that um So I have an interesting experience with mooting and debating. I was um I was lucky to be good at mooting. I did I did well from like my first year. I did I think I did Viz Vienna in my first year and then I did Price Media and Jessup and stuff like that. So I got the full exposure of international moots. But moots were always work for me. I didn't see them as something enjoyable. It was more like um I mean to be perfectly honest the thing with Indian law school education is that it's never satisfactory or complete, right? the quality of professors isn't always great the quality of attention you get uh in terms of your lecture and of interpersonal hours with the professor isn't always great um so i feel like mooting was actually the real law school where i learned how to write how to prepare arguments how to structure arguments how to research how to present before a panel um so i think that is what i'd call my actual education uh, and in that regard it was work it wasn't fun I mean sure it was fun when you argue and you come back home after like winning a round but that's like a brief moment of fun for 6 months of work. I think debating was what was really fun. Um people tend to over intellectualize debate it's really just a game. After after you like crack the code of debating and you've done enough debates it becomes almost no effort and lots and lots of fun. Um so I think my happiest memories of law school would probably be debates. Yeah. right uh you obviously now in oxford and you spend some quite a bit of time there in oxford uh before i ask you about your journey in oxford uh, how your experience has been i would like to know one thing have you been to oxford union yet i believe you have and uh, how was it if you have oxford, oxford union the union oh yeah debate is dream the debate is dream oxford union well i don't know i so the thing is i think Indian debating um doesn't get its due worth. I think we're just as competent the arguments we make are just as good. And I also made it a point I've I've never debated for Oxford University and I never will because I think 
um, it's it's not for me. I did my debating where for the institution that I cared about more deeply and in a place where I think um, my ideas were better. I don't know. Um, sounded. The thing with the union is that there's so much baggage in terms of the guests they call, in terms of the politics they espouse, in terms of um, just its history as an institution as well. It's it's a very exclusionary institution. So even though I'm a part of um, of the union uh, and I do go for talks where I think they would benefit me, I don't actively participate in the union. Has your experience in Oxford been uh, very different from what you've had in NLS or, uh, or has there been significant changes in the kind of education that you receive in Oxford? Um, well, it, I think it really, I mean, it varies from person to person. Uh, it depends on how you learn as a, as a person. For me, learning was always done alone it wasn't I, I've never been if you ask any of my classmates they'll tell you I was the person who slept the most in the classroom um, I never really learned in classes I never really learned by paying attention to teachers I do learn well from interactions so like mooting where you're presenting ideas or tutorials which is what we have in Oxford for some courses where you have to like debate ideas with your professors one-on-one those work really well for me for me sitting in a lecture or a seminar isn't the best way so in that sense i don't think qualitatively oxford or the bcl was a huge different experience for me um in terms of the methods of learning um obviously the exposure to ideas is huge like not in the classroom but outside the classroom the people you're interacting with are often um some of the smartest people in the world who work in a variety of fields like when you go to law school in India you only meet lawyers right so all your conversations while great and stimulating are just about the law here I have friends one of whom like a poet another one works in statistics another one works in nuclear physics so like the kind of stuff that you're talking about first always pushes you out of your comfort zone second makes you learn a lot so it's always great yeah um so the education outside the classroom is perhaps the one I would value more than the one inside Right, I'm sure. Uh, now this brings me to obviously uh, one of the most coveted scholarships available in the world, the Rhodes Scholarship, and uh, you've had uh, the privilege of being a Rhodes Scholar. So uh, before we get into the nitty gritties of how Rhodes Scholarship should be approached by law students, uh, we talk about the idea of uh, applying for Rhodes itself is very daunting for a lot of students. What inspired yeah. you to take up this uh, application process in the very first place? Like what gave you the idea that, okay, I should go for Rhodes? Well, okay, so the really honest answer is I think everyone who goes to law school at some part of their heart wants to apply for the roads and, and nurses that dream. It's kind of like the CLAT thing I told you, right? We, we all want it at some part, somewhere, but we all know it's very, very difficult and really, really unlikely. But what do you do in that scenario? You, you take your shot and you hope for the best. And that's what I did. Um, so my fifth year came around. I knew that I didn't want to do a law firm job. I was very clear on that. Um, my career goal really uh, was litigation in the Bombay High Court and as a backup I was like well I do have good grades and I do have good extracurriculars let me apply for LLMs and in that process let me apply for the scholarships today um, honestly I really didn't think I would make it past even the first round of selection um, I worked for about a month in my essay got through got selected for the interviews 
was really lucky in the first interview that I was asked just the right questions that I was prepared for. And then the second interview was far more chilled out. It managed to, but like at no point in this process do you actually think, even when your name is announced, you don't actually think you're a Rhodes Scholar. You're like, this is unreal, this is not happening. And obviously there's still days where like you wake up and you pinch yourself and like, this actually happened. I can't believe this actually happened. Right. Uh, to that extent, like uh, as a law student, obviously, since you uh, obviously everyone wants to apply for roads and everyone has that dream, uh, you must also have navigated your way through law school in order to curate some form of uh, uh, how do I say your your profile in a way that you become more suitable for the possibility of clearing roads. If uh, before we get into the uh, the basics of application process, essays and LORs and everything. How can a law student navigate the way in law school, maybe grades or extracurricular activities, so as to become more, uh, as in, some a suitable candidate for roads uh, application process? So, I think this this is this is like a very common misconception that um, a lot of people applying for the roads, not just law students, have that the CV you need um, to get the roads is a very particular CV. You need to do well at sports. You need to do well at mooting or debating or any of these other extracurriculars, you need the best grades and all of that stuff. And so people preemptively try and construct their CV based on what they think the panelist wants four years into the future. And I think that's a very misinformed, but also like convoluted way of living your life. Like you can't possibly live five years of your life hoping that this, I mean, you could be the smartest person in the world, but the thing with the scholarship is it's arbitrary and it's luck, right? Like. Someone could have a better day, day than you, you could have a bad interview, you could have a bad panelist who doesn't listen to your answers properly. A thousand things could go wrong and you can't possibly live five years of your law school life hoping that those don't go wrong and you get the scholarship at the end of the day. So I would say that trying to preemptively construct your life to get a scholarship is just not the right way to live it. That being said also, the f- if you look at some more recent scholars who got it, the CV per se, the, the template is changing. There's no specific requirement that someone be like a mooter or a debater or a sports person or any of those things. Um, I think ultimately, yes, you have to meet the roads criteria um, and they're on the website, but they're flexible and you have the freedom in your SOP to define them the way you want to and then to prove that you fulfill them in any way you want to. So my advice to you, if you're a new law student who's thinking about the roads five years in the future is don't think about it so much and do the things that you'd be interested in. Try everything out, what you'd like, pursue it further. And if you have a fulfilling law school experience, I'm sure when you're in your fifth year, you will be able to find ways in which you justify the rules criteria anyway. Right, right. That brings me to my first question as far as application process is concerned. Like if in case I do decide uh, to apply for roads, uh, what are the basics of application process and what was your strategy? Uh, and this would include everything, the LORs, SOPs and everything. Uh, we talk about application process. What was your strategy when you approached application process? Yeah. So let me preface this by saying that I did the whole process, I think three years ago now. So. Obviously, my memory on the details might have faded a bit, but I have given a talk on the roads process in great detail for about one hour or something um, on the NLS channel. So if anyone who's watching this does want those details, um, I'd recommend they go check that out as well. But in brief, so the process is a three-stage process. Um, You first have a written application, which is your LORs, your CV, your statement of purpose. Then you have your first round of interviews, which is more 
a technical round which focuses on your field so if you're a lawyer it's a legal round taken by legal panelists um and then you have a final like interview which is with a panel of 10 to 12 people and that's more like an hr round where they ask you the more broader roads criteria questions and they try to test your general reasoning and intelligence um rather than specifically your legal knowledge um my my strategy i didn't have a strategy but i think um to write a statement of purpose that is effective you really need to think long and hard and reflect on basically why you're doing the law why you want to study it further and what you really want to have in your life i mean it's the thing with these exercises is they're always artificial no one has a life that is a perfectly written story that can be knitted together and make a coherent narrative that's just not how lives work but i think if you try and think deeply about all the experiences you've had in law school or even before law school what you did in school you'll find that there often are common threads of things that interest you or subjects or causes um for which you care about and then the whole process of writing an lor is oh sorry uh, sop is collecting and collating those experiences finding the common thread that runs through them and then trying in writing a a compelling and moving narrative um in your lor sorry sop that brings together all those experiences and justifies why what you want to do next is the correct next step for you and if you can do that and you can be honest with yourself and you can be honest in this process you write a good sop and the person who's reading it will be impressed and you will get shortlisted for the interview so i think the first step is just yes that reflection and honesty with yourself and um once you do that i think you have a good foundation for the subsequent steps um letters of recommendation aren't really up to you um they're up to the people who are your referees my only recommendation is that when you're picking referees don't try and pick people who have established names or you who you think will impress um your panelists because that is not their purpose it doesn't matter if it is the prime minister or president of india who has written your um lor if they don't know you what you need is someone who can actually vouch for your skills for your abilities for your um for the criteria that you have to fulfill to meet the road scholarship um and once you do that it doesn't matter who they are so select your referees carefully based on the people who've been important for you in life and who've seen you grow and mature as a human being um whether in the personal or professional field and then yeah leave it up to them don't try and influence them or control them send them the criteria tell them that this is what you're applying for explain the process to them but beyond that there's really not that much you can do um as someone who is trying to get your referees to send in the lors um that's the first stage uh that is the written application stage with interviews it's it's a whole different ball game um so i'm just going to like continue on to the interview part even though you haven't specifically asked me about that um but no, so we definitely definitely love to know about interview like uh, that is a very interesting area as you mentioned that it all depends upon who your panelist is and what kind of questions are being asked and what is your day like and uh, yeah. so uh, that that is a very specific thing that sh- that affects the application process and actually scares the applicant applicants a lot uh, even before they try and apply for the process so this is something i genuinely want to know about um look it's that's life for you right you're never going to have a guaranteed win um but what you can do is you can prepare as best as you can and then hope that you manage to not mess it up um which is basically what i was doing like i was i was like i mean, i did everything i could so i think 
I was notified about my first interview two weeks before it happened, which isn't a lot of time if you think about it. And this, so you have to be competent in um, general HR questions. You have to have knowledge about all the current affairs, general news that is happening. You need to specifically be aware about um, legal issues that are relevant in that time period in which you're applying. You need to be very competent in the area of law that you have said you want to study further, or if you're not a lawyer, whatever area that you want to study further. Um, and you also need to be able to have a grasp on general HR questions like what is your biggest weakness, where do you see yourself in five years, you know the generic questions they ask in interviews. Like you need to have answers somewhat prepared for pretty much all of these lines of reasoning and that's a huge task to do um, in just two weeks. So what I had was um, I basically drafted this huge timetable um, which literally broke down each hour slot in those 14 days into me working on one of these the fields that I just outlined and I had like notebooks for each of them so like there was a um, HR questions notebook there was a general knowledge notebook there was a legal awareness notebook there was an international law notebook which was specifically on researching um, issues in international law and I would basically like work on each of those things for a certain amount of time each day the process is never completed it's never exhausted I did as much as I could for each of those things and then I revised the night before my interview and that's about it. I think you can do all of this, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. It just guarantees you that you are prepared. Um, but ultimately what matters is how well you use that preparation when you're actually sitting in front of the panelists and trying to answer the questions. And that's really um, just up to how well you can respond on your feet. Right. So the two major things that I understand from this firstly is that there is no set template for uh, your SOPs. It depends a lot on your individual experiences and how you approach it. It needs to be honest and it needs to be genuine in nature. The LORs need to be genuine and honest as well. Uh, and that is that is how one should approach these things. And the interviews need to be well thought of and well prepared of uh, in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. with that, to that extent, like how long should, uh, like if for example, one has to apply for roads, how long before should they start preparing for the application process? Should they devote like a proper year in the application process, year or two? No. Uh, I mean, look, I spent one month exactly from start to finish um, writing my statement of purpose and editing my CV. I didn't write a CV from scratch, but editing my CV. Um, And I think that was more than enough. I went through about some 15 drafts of my SOP. And I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people and that's I think useful just show it to your friends show it to your family show it to if you uh, if you can show it to people who've done similar college applications or things like that get as much feedback as you can because it's going to be extremely useful no one writes a good SOP on their first try it just isn't a thing um, and yeah I think if you do that and if you're thorough in that one one and a half months that you go through a written application process that should be enough there's no point preparing for interviews uh, in advance presuming your application is going to get through because like I think that's just a waste of effort um, so yeah just a month and a half should be enough right uh, this brings me to uh, one of the last set of questions that I have here this is a very personal question uh, and uh, the reason why I'm asking you is because I believe you must have also faced this at some point of time in your law school uh, especially in times like lockdown uh, in the current situation a lot of law students feel lost 
and they feel like uh, at least i do feel lost as in uh, what area should i now work with what area will be lucrative after the lockdown ends uh, in a couple of years and stuff like that or how should i navigate my way through law school in order to make myself a better candidate a more suitable candidate for these situations or uh, not just for roads but in law school as well now since you've had such a lucrative example of yours itself maybe you can tell me something about how you would have handled situations like this or what advice you have for the law students who want to navigate their way through law school i mean i'm i'm also handling the situation it's not like i'm immune from it i'm a law student still i'm doing my phd but i'm still a law student and i'm trying to navigate managing research while stuck at home in a pandemic without access to the archives i need to do my research or the books that i need so it's very much a reality for everyone um i think i wouldn't like this is easy tendency especially when you grow up in the indian education system right to be like oh i have time i have to maximize the time available to learn as much as possible to make myself a useful contributor to the economy i'm like there's a pandemic happening this is not something any of us are prepared for you can go easy on yourself i'm not saying don't do anything and watch netflix all day but also don't expect to be at your maximum productivity and be able to like i don't know mug up volumes of mulla overnight um and like no spout constitutional theory by the end of the lockdown because those are not reasonable goals i think the goal i would have in this pandemic is first of all to keep myself sane and to make sure that i'm able to work to the limited ability that i can without compromising my happiness and my mental health um if you're a law student whatever that means for you if that means um reading your textbooks or writing essays when you can great if that means um learning about new cases or researching on issues that interest you great like anything that suits your interests literally just make sure that you aren't not doing anything but you're also not overpressurizing yourself yeah. I believe that that is a very important advice especially for law students who are going through this uh, because I don't know if you noticed or not but my linkedin is on steroids like everyone is just on everything uh, people are writing essays writing blogs and uh, everything so uh, as as the last part of my question you you've been into debating because that is what we have seen you do a lot of times like your debating is something that uh, that, has, that probably has contributed a lot and uh, also something that we follow Uh, as far as writing research papers is concerned writing other uh, essays blogs and all of these things is concerned what is your opinion on that like uh, should people necessarily do them as a checklist of their law school achievements or should they do it uh, if they like doing it or should they engage just to learn about it are you talking about blog posts or like- writing research papers or debating like for example if i like debating should i also try writing papers and necessarily go into that area I mean they're not the same thing debating and um scholarship or even blog posts are entirely different um creatures i think in debating you never really especially in indian debating you never force to research mm-hmm. thoroughly your ideas and see them through um i think obviously structuring ideas is a good skill you get from debating but that doesn't mean you necessarily be a great writer um that being said like if you have an interesting idea worth exploring that you're passionate about for sure go for it write a blog pitch it to to the popular blogs it'll um it'll make for a great addition to your cv sure people do look at that and it'll also be very um interesting for other people to read and it'll stimulate a discussion so i would never tell someone not to do it 
mm. but don't do it for the wrong reasons like don't be like this is a checklist i need to fill like i think when i applied for the roads and when i got the roads i had zero publications i'd never written anything that had been ever, i tried believe me i tried <laughs> and i hadn't been accepted <laughs> by any journal at that point so i think that like goes to tell you like you can't control these factors and you can't really be the perfect candidate because there is no such thing as a perfect candidate right uh, thank you thank you so much manjit i believe this was one of the most important and probably one of the most special conversations that i've had on this podcast and i'm really grateful that you could take time out for uh, this conversation today and i believe all my listeners who who wanted to clarify their doubts about not just road scholarship but also to learn from your experience have will really benefit a lot from this conversation i've had a wonderful wonderful time talking to you and i hope you had a good time too yeah i did thank you thank you thank you so much manish And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Mr. Vanshaj Ravi Jain, wonderfully explaining to us his experience at law school. We talked about his experience with the road scholarship application process, his strategies, his tips and tricks, everything. Since you made it to the last of the episode, make sure you like, share, and follow the podcast as well, so that I can reach out to more and more people with these conversations that add so much value. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, make sure you reach out to me. I would absolutely love that. And, ladies and gentlemen. Please take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, stay safe, stay at home and stay strong. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time.